Blue light impact and circadian rhythms have such contradictory information that the very best of medical practitioners can be left confused. Torn between confusion on this subject, I needed to find the right guest. I have a right to healthy light. You have a right to healthy light. We have a right to healthy light is what my guest shared on this episode. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. How does blue light exaggerate difference between morning types and evening types? How do you choose the right lighting to support beneficial circadian effect? What should we look for when we source blue light blockers? Martin Moore Eid, MD, PhD is a leading world expert on circadian clocks and light. As a professor at Harvard Medical School, he led the team that located the human circadian clock and showed how it is synchronized by light. He founded the Circadian Light Research Center, which identified the key blue wavelengths that control the clock and patented and developed the first evidence-based health circadian lights. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini, and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Martin Moreed, it's a pleasure to have you today on the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. I think you are the perfect person to clarify a lot of confusion that's happening around blue light because we've had people talk about how there's no evidence that it impacts sleep and then a lot of practitioners themselves are feeling a little troubled that they don't know what is the right information because sometimes they put the information out and then they get criticized saying there's no evidence that blue light can impact so you have such a i mean i think you are the best mentor for us in this topic so today i'd love for us to get started by just talking about this uh Professor Michael Gladissa has been on the show before. We've had a conversation about how blue light has no impact on sleep, following which I had a lot of other practitioners who strongly defended that there is evidence that blue light is impactful on sleep, circadian rhythm, maybe all of health. 
And so I would love for you to clarify what exactly is the truth when it comes to blue light before we go into specific aspects of electric light and whatever we can do for ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. The thing about blue, and this is really strange to me as I started looking at this, is that it's a very loose term. What is blue? Um, some people use all light that's violet and blue all the way up to aqua type colors before you get into green as blue, uh, have a very broad range of blue. Uh, and there are claims about blue light, some parts of the blue light spectrum, which are have very different effects from others. So it's a real, been a real mess. And so effectively what happens is that as you look at the color spectrum, and as you know, white light is composed of a full rainbow range of colors of different proportions, depending on where it comes from. When it comes natural light from the daylight or from the sun, it's got a fairly broad range of spectrum, but where most wavelengths are fairly equal across the spectrum. Others like LED light have a very sharp spike, typically around 450. So if we define the broadest range of the blue and violet lights is between, or high energy lights, is between about 400 and 500 nanometers on the scale. If we look at down at the right at the violet end of the scale, blue light at 405 has got antibacterial effects. It will kill bacteria, right? That's one of the main things there that's used. When you move up into a range that's around 425 to 450, some people call it indigo. Um, it's one of the named colors, but it's basically that color. At very high intensities, like you get in sunlight, bright sunny day, that can cause eye damage, right? It can cause cell death in the eyes to get very, very bright levels of, for a lot. So that's one. And, and some people are more susceptible to others. But this so-called blue light hazard in that part, the 425 to 450 part, is actually really a uh, something that's way overstated and does not occur indoors because light levels indoors are almost a thousand times less than light levels on a very bright day outside. So we tend to live in indoors in quite dim levels of light, almost twilight levels of light. At that level, there is absolutely no blue light hazard. So wearing blue blocking glasses to prevent blue hazard, which opticians like to try to tell you, makes no sense whatsoever um, because that's one thing. Okay, so next thing is there's another area up at the, towards more towards the green, more to, in the sky blue range, as we move from the purple, from, from the violets to the indigos to the sky blue. And that blue is highly effective at resetting the circadian clock. Uh, there's there's enormous evidence of this. So anybody's claiming that it doesn't reset the circadian clock is clueless. They do not know the science. We know that it's the precise, it, what matters is several things. What is the precise wavelength of that light? The circadian clock is reset by special receptors in the eye that contain a photopigment that is maximally sensitive at around 480 nanometers. Remember that 400 to 500 scale, about 480 nanometers. And light around that range um, is effective at 
resetting the circadian clock. We've done extensive studies with uh, people under with a wide variety of different types of lights because different types of lights have different spectra. And we've been able to narrow down that there's a very effective range for circadian entrainment. Um, and we recently did a consensus study of 250 science, leading scientists in the field all agree the most sensitive area is between 460 and 495 nanometers, right, in the blue. So it's around that 480 peak. So that's where the effective thing is circadian rhythms is. Light falling there will reset the circadian clock far more potently, 25 times more potently than broad spectrum light, white light. So there's extensive studies. You can use a very small dose of blue light and have the same effect as a very bright dose of white light. So it's that part of the spectrum that's very effective. That blue light will shift the circadian clock. When you shift the circadian clock, it depends on what time of day you're exposed to that blue light. So blue light in the evening will shift it to later hours. It will phase what's called phase delaying the clock. Blue light in the morning um, will actually shift it the opposite direction. It will phase advance the timing. And that blue light is going to shift the clock, and it's going to shift everything else that depends on the clock. So sleep is actually the sleep-wake cycle is shifted. The melatonin rhythm is shifted. That's the internal hormone, one of the internal hormones by the body that is linked the clock position is linked to melatonin, melatonin is shifted, and all the cells of the body now are informed that the timing of day and night is shifted. So basically we've got a very clear, so here's several, but there's so much confusion in this field. People sell blue blocking glasses. Most of those blue blocking glasses are filtering out light below 440, right down at the violet end. They're not filtering out, um, certainly the ones that are clear. And so people, so someone sells you, optician sells you glasses, so they've got blue blocking, but they're actually look quite clear and you can't really see much effect. It does no effect on the effect of light in the evening because blue light in the evening is going to shift you to later hours, make your sleep delayed, make your, um, and, and it will exaggerate the difference between people who are morning types and evening types. Um, if I'm giving too much information, let us know. Let us know. All right. So oh, now, now that's, that, yeah, okay. So now, if we go and look at morning types, evening types, very important here. There's ind big individual differences. As you know, morning type people are up early in the morning. I'm here in Boston. It's early in the morning. You know, hey, I got up at five, so I'm already well into my day. Um, but I'll be falling pretty sleepy by nine or ten tonight. Okay, I'm a morning type, extreme end. Others will find it hard to get up of bed in the morning, but are wide awake and it come midnight or one o'clock in the morning, they're doing their best, they're they're feeling great, um, and uh, they'll have a harder time falling asleep. So those two types of people, if we now take them into the outdoors camping, and this was a study done by the, um, Professor Wright in the University of Colorado Boulder, you take these people outdoors camping into the wilderness in Colorado with no electric lights, no flashlights, 
no cell phones, nothing electrical at all. So the only light they're exposed to is the natural day and night. And you allow them to have campfires like our ancestors would. But campfires, by the way, wood fires have almost no blue in them, virtually no blue at all. So you let them go into that natural world. Now, suddenly, everybody comes the same. Everybody's sleep isn't, there's no longer evening and morning types. because it, And that tells you that the evening type people are extra sensitive, this blue light in the evening, and that shifts their clock. So there's indiv big individual differences. So there are, so it matters on, so what matters is the exact wavelength of blue that we're talking about. And the natural and the circadian clock is triggered by sky blue, the color of the sky, which is very interesting. Um, it matters how bright that is, right? And so if you're indoors, the intensities are much lower than outdoors. Um, and it matters um, at the time of day that you see it. So th all those things come in, but it's the science is extremely well established. And one of the things we did to try to clear up this confusion, because science doesn't move forward and certainly practical solutions like healthy lighting don't move forward if people think the science is confused or contradictory what we did is we went out and found all the leading scientists around the world who published four or more papers on circadian rhythms and light and did a consensus survey with them all and were able to come out with 25 clear conclusions which all is supported by what I'm saying. So we've got 250 of the world's leading scientists or with a clear consensus on what is established science. So it's not just me talking about it. Um, it's, um, it's all of them. Now, in the latest chapter of my book, which just is available on Substack, my book is called The Light Doctor. In chapter five, which was just released this week, I actually discuss that whole consensus study with the scientists, and I show what are, what were all the scientific facts that are very well established. And they include the fact that blue light is by far the most effective at this 460 to 495 nanometer range. So it's well-established science, and anybody who says otherwise is just either doesn't know what's going on or is trying to confuse or is trying to sell you something different. So you need to go back to the, the core science that's very rigorously done. Thank you, Martin. And I think one more thing that you spoke about, I do want us to clarify. You spoke about the those who are early morning uh, and those who are their very best in the middle of the night. And I must ask you this question because, you know, there's this very popular sleep book by Michael Bruce, who calls himself the sleep doctor, where he talks about how the night owls, they've tested them and their melatonin release is later than others. Uh, well, to me personally, it sounds as if if somebody's staying up and exposed to light, their body's endocrine system is going to shift to support that, just as you spoke about the delay. Yes. So I just exactly. want to ask you, because you spoke about the research where they went to the campfire and everyone came back to the same rhythms based upon nature that is the concept of a night owl truly something that is 
just the way it is or is it just that they're exposing i mean i i i think the very best thing that i heard from anybody so far regarding the night owl was your statement that they are most sensitive to light that makes tremendous sense to me does that mean that they take care of themselves a little bit more or does that mean that they stay up in the middle of the night and do their very best so i do want you to clarify that right right well first of all there are genetic differences between people uh, and um some of these core sleep characteristics uh, we can trace to genetic types so morningness and eveningness in other words larks um, morning larks and evening owls and most people are somewhere between right there's a range of people that is a genetic predisposition, all right? Um, and so, uh, and the morning larks will tend to be better in the first part of their day than in the second part. And the reverse for the owls, it will take longer for them to wake up and be fully performing. So it, it more like when in the day are you at your best, all right, is what it is. But when you bring in artificial light, electric light in the evenings, and particularly these blue-rich lights we now have, because we're going that we've abandoned incandescence, we've abandoned halogens have gone, fluorescence are now being phased out. We're left with just blue these LEDs, which are largely have got a lot of blue in them. Those lights are shifting the people who are sensitive to it. So basically, now the people that already got this tendency towards when which part of the day you're best. But the people, the evening people now shift later. So yes, it shifts their melatonin. It shifts all their circadian rhythms. It shifts their sleep. And people can get in the extreme end, can get into severe problems, what's called delayed sleep phase insomnia, which is a condition we identified quite a long time ago. Um, but those are people who've gone to the far extreme where they can't fall asleep until three or four in the morning, but they have to get up at work um, for, for eight in the morning, they have very short amounts of sleep because they're trapped by this. So you can solve, it's all solvable by fixing the lights. Now, you don't have to be without light in the evening because now what we've invented is lights that do not have any of that blue. So the, we take away that part of the spectrum. So we can give people violet light and we give people green, yellows, reds, all of that, and make a, a comfortable light source that has zero blue in it. When we do that, then you can use it. Now you can have enjoy your evening without shifting your clock. Perfect, Martin. And I think before we go into these specific aspects of light, I would like to ask you, can we look at our lights and know how much blue light is coming to us? Because... Obviously, a lot of the world may not have access to or may not even know where to get the right lights. Right. Well, the the way you actually tell scientifically is a device that's about the size of my cell phone, right? Here's my cell phone and here's the device. It's a handheld spectrophotometer. And what that device does is I can look at any light source and I can now... Um, and basically, and I think I can maybe I'll show you something here. Um, so uh, I can look at any light source and it will tell me what the spectrum is. 
So if I look at an LED light source, and I've got an LED, an LED up here, you can see I've got, I don't know if you can see, your camera can see, but there's a big blue, there's a blue spike there. That's the blue spike that LEDs produce, right? Um, whereas, uh, it, I, I don't know whether I'm going to be able to show this or not, but up here, I've got a much, well, I probably can't do it very easily. There are lights that I can show you that take away all that blue, right? And that's the lights you should see. So you, there are devices. Now, these are something, that, these are not cheap, and they are scientific devices, but they are devices we can immediately see what the spectrum of light is um, and know what it is. Now, for the user, for the average user, lights should be able to, you want to look for lights that are less than 2% blue. And when I say blue, I mean between 440 and 495, which is the full range of, you know, of, of sensitive, most sensitive area. If it's less than 2% blue, then you're safe. During the daytime, however, you want to have lights that are rich in blue, more than 20% blue. So if you look for lights that are less than 2% blue at night and more than 20% blue during the day, uh, then you can have a beneficial circadian effect. Now, those lights are becoming increasingly, coming gradually coming onto the market now. Um, and part of my book, The Light Doctor, is to show people how to find them, what to look for. And you have some choices. You have choices between lights that are, you can use lights that are um, very low color temperature, like 1800 um, CCT. Uh, and uh, down there, it becomes a yellow orangey light because all the blue has been, most of the, virtually all the blue has been removed. So you can do it effectively with that, your yellow orangey lights, or you can use lights that are color balanced by using. Um, and, um, you know, for example, SORA makes lights, S-O-R-A-A, -A, makes lights that are, um, do not have uh, any blue in them. They call them zero blue. Um, and so those are lights that you can use also in the evenings. So the answer is you need to control the blue content because what we use for light for brightness, how we measure the brightness of light, which is lumens per watt, is not a measure at all of its blue level or its healthiness. It's merely a measure of some energy efficiency, but it's only measuring the energy efficiency of brightness, right? The eye is most sensitive to green light. So it's largely looking at green and yellow light in the spectrum and saying, yes, that's lumens, but it's not that. So we have to watch the energy efficiency question because lights are being sold by energy efficiency and all Often they're not very healthy, and certainly they're not very healthy in the evenings. Uh, some of the most energy efficient LEDs now, um, and that's where the direction is. We need to educate people that yes, it's very important to manage uh, energy and climate um, uh, you know, risks, and you know we all want to manage global warming, but please don't harm our health by giving us lights that harm us at night. Um, in order to save our planet, we've got to also save ourselves. So it's we've got to strike the right balance here. I'm so glad you shared that, Martin, because I think it really brings back some clarity to all of us on uh, this confusion about is blue like affecting us? Is it not? I'd like to talk a little bit about the practical aspects. You mentioned at the start of our conversation about 
how certain blue light blockers may not be effective. And you know, the market is flooded with blue light blockers and Amazon yeah. sells these orange looking, which I truly think is just orange colored glass. So could you just share what is the right, what should we be looking for? So is it Sometimes there are clear ones in the, uh, you know, if you go to buy yourselves regular glasses, now everybody's telling you I'll put a blue light uh, filter. Uh, then you go on Amazon and sometimes, you know, when you see practitioners on social media posing with the red or orange glasses, a lot of people just go on Amazon and buy orange colored glasses and i'm not quite sure that's the right approach to protect our eyes from this exposure so could you tell us practically where do we go how do we get the right one right yeah no that's a big problem i mean blue blocking glasses is such a loosely used phrase um and but there is a truth a kernel of truth behind it right in other words, so it is true that if, if the light, if it is truly taking out all the blue, for example, it's taking out everything below 500. So it takes out the violet and the blue, sky blue, and even takes out some of the aqua, you know, or, or cyan color. Um, right. So it takes, and then it, if it does that, then it will be a yellow, orange, amber color glass. All right, that will be the result because without blue, you have a yellow, the light is always yellow orange color. So those lights, those glasses can be effective, right? Just, just so you know. On the other hand, when the optician tells you, oh, I've got this blue filtering on, um, some of the very biggest eyewear companies in the world um, are selling these big business, selling these um, blue blocking. They're only blocking out down at the 425, 430, 440 range. They're blocking nothing to do with circadian. Then they're, they're no help whatsoever with your sleep, no help whatsoever with this shifting your clock in the evening hours. And it's debatable whether they do any good in the real world, because if they're trying to deal with the blue light has so-called blue light hazard, which I remember we talked about, is only relevant if you're out in 50,000 lux or 100,000 lux outside in a bright sunny day, then they're only taking out 20% of it. So you're better off with dark sunglasses than you are with these glasses. So it's a huge uh, market, a uh, lot of hype and everything else, um, but there's really no clear benefit to that. Um, uh, that really is, is, is being demonstrated. So that's, that's the problem. We've got a lot of misinformation about blue blocking glasses. But yes, if you lights, the glasses that take out all, all the blue can be effective. And there are also glasses that are a bit more... Um, sophisticated in carving out just the right part of blue to protect your circadian clock so which which will be a better color balance so that's a, that's a i'll get into that topic in the light doctor later on in, in some later chapters as you know the light doctor is i issue a chapter every two weeks so the story is rolling out on a regular basis and um one of the things i will be covering is the you know how to make choices around eyewear uh, and what is valid and what is not valid. And I think one final question, Martin, because we don't have too much of time, but this comes back to 
you know, I saw that you were part of um, inventing and patenting LED lights with unique chips so that they change in the daytime and the night. And um, I've had a lot of practitioners who've come on the show and spoken about come night, remove the bulb and change it to a red bulb. And it's really not practical for me. It seems no. too cumbersome to be every evening right. changing the bulb on my lights and wherever I am. So what do we do about it? Is there, what if, is this bulb available everywhere? If not, what is our better option? Yes, uh, that is the key thing. Uh, we have developed, um, what we did, developed lights for offices and, um, and factories that are working in control rooms and so forth uh, that were working uh, around the clock. And those lights have automatic timers in them that switch from a day mode to a night mode. So there's two sets of LED chips. One are day chips that provide blue-rich light during the day and then it automatically at sunrise and sunset switches to the other mode, which is a night mode. In terms of bulbs, um, there are very few bulbs on the market today, but they are coming in rapidly now, and I'll be informing people about that, where what you want is a light bulb that knows what knows the latitude and longitude, knows where you're located, so it can be you know, so it can be on your time or it can be on my time. And it automatically switches so you don't have to worry about it. In other words, you don't have to worry whether your heart's going to beat, 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 or you're going to breathe. You don't think about it. In fact, if you start thinking about your breath, you will mess up your breathing, right? But you let it automatically run. We need our clocks, our lights to run automatically and protecting us by switching from one mode to the other. And those lights are coming out in the market. And as I say, I'll be talking about them uh, in, in the book. As, and, and that's what you what you really want is something that automatically changes so that your home is protected and you don't have to go around screwing in and unscrewing light bulbs, which is obviously ridiculous. <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Do you have any final words to share? And I'm definitely going to sign up right this evening and so I can follow this journey. And I mean, you've shared a lot of very key perspectives when it comes to understanding of blue light and I think this episode will make a huge difference to so many people who've had this confusion so any final words to share well I think what we have to recognize is that the lighting industry has failed us because they failed to give us healthy light and I think we need a new slogan which is I have a right to healthy light you have a right to healthy light and I think that's the message that, that this is something that is scientifically valid. It's something that is critical to health. And, it, and we've gone on far too long talking as though lights are only for brightness and energy efficiency um, and cheapness, right? That's what we want, low-cost lights that are cheap and energy efficient, but they're no good at all if they're harmful to our health. So we have a right to healthy light. Beautifully said, Martin. It was such a great 
great uh, conversation and meeting you as well and clarified so many things so where can people go if they'd like to sign up to your book and follow this journey because it seems interesting that you're adding every two weeks and something to look forward to yes uh it's on substack which is a very big platform where um, a lot of books are being published these days and it's lightdoctormartinmoreed.substack.com uh, you can also find it on my website at thelightdoctor.com. Um, and that those websites, so look up uh, The Light Doctor Substack, search that, you'll find it. Delighted to join the journey. Um, there are free subscriptions. You can watch this book for free. There are paid ones as well uh, if you want more content and more information. Um, but we've we got thousands and thousands of people joining and welcoming everybody from all over the world. Um, joining on the journey. And as I say, uh, I provide on that. Uh, the written chapters come by email, and they're also on the website. And I also have podcasts that come out, uh, two podcasts uh, that come out also. Um, so all of that is on substack.com um, um, and under the light doctor. Thank you, Martin, for giving me your time and all the valuable experience of so long. And you definitely were a mentor to me in this quick 30-minute episode. So thank you for giving us your time. Good. Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for your excellent questions. I think you got right to the most important issues. If you are confused about blue light impact and circadian rhythms and torn between contradictory information between practitioners, I would recommend staying with Martin Moe's book as a guide. I needed to get to the source of in-depth understanding on this subject when so much recent information on popular books and social posts have been debunking the impact of blue light and its impact. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.